podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Tuesday, the 27th of April, and we are brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location. You can access things like American Netflix if you live outside the US. If you're from the UK but having to leave the UK for whatever reason, you can access your Now TV from outside the UK, whereas normally the Brexit rules would stop you. It will also keep your data safe online, which is obviously massively important. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks, just the one game last night. Quite a good game as well. Leicester win the game 2-1 against Crystal Palace. Palace had gone 1-0 up, a Wilf Zaha finish after great work by Eberichi Eze. Every time I watch Eberichi Eze, I, I fall more and more in love with this player. He is just a wonderful talent who I genuinely think could play for any team in the country. I think he's got the ability to play for anybody. I think any club would be lucky to have him in their ranks. He may not be a first-choice starter, but as a squad option for a City, he'd be brilliant. I think he could start for Liverpool. If Liverpool are serious about changing the shape, he'd be a really good addition. I think he starts for Leicester. I think he starts for Chelsea. I think the creativity he could bring to that Chelsea team, the ability to unlock a defence with his dribbling and his passing, would be a step up on some of what they have right now. I think he's a top, top player in the making. And... His weight of pass, his timing of the pass, like that ball through for Wilf Zaha last night was absolutely perfect. He waited until the exact moment to pass it. He put the exact amount of weight on it so Zaha wasn't having to stretch. It's a really good finish from Zaha and credit to him for that. Palace played quite well in spells in this game. Um, But unfortunately, quality told, well, fortunately for Leicester, unfortunately for Palace, Quality told, Leicester are just a much better team. And in Kalichi Iheanacho, they have the informed player in the Premier League last, uh, right now. A goal and assist last night. The assist to set up Castanier, ball into the channel, good first touch, turn, face the man up, good pass to, uh, to Castanier, who finished really well with his left foot. Castanier had a great game last night as well, it should be pointed out. Really, really tough time against the likes of Zaha and Iheanacho, but or, uh, Zaha and Ezi, but really dealt with it as well as anybody could and got forward in support, created some good opportunities for others, created one good opportunity for, for Jamie Vardy in the first half that Vardy fired over. Um, Iheanacho won the game with 
just a sensational goal. This was like prime Daniel Sturridge. Good ball from Johnny Evans over the top. Good first touch. Better second touch. But the finish. Gets the ball. Squares up his man. Shifts it ever so slightly. And just buries it. The goalkeeper didn't even see the ball go by him. The only reason he knew the ball had gone by him is because he felt it whistle by his face. An incredible strike. I will say, Palace should have scored before that. Yarrow Riedeveld was played through, one-on-one with the goalkeeper, Benteke breaking forward. He obviously gets a shout from Benteke, selflessly slips the ball to his side. If Benteke was the player he was when he first arrived in England, he strides on and slots the ball home. But since that Achilles tear, he hasn't had that burst of pace. It allows Johnny Evans to get back and make a great tackle. Evans would have that and then the assist for the goal to uh, to wrap up his night. One lovely moment in this game. Um, Milojojevic needed to change his boots. And because there were a number of players on the pitch who are fasting because of Ramadan, he took quite a while with changing his boots. The goalkeeper took quite a while over the goal kick, uh, Gaeta. And that allowed the Leicester players to break their fast. Uh, Sayonchu um, and Fafana, for sure, may have been others. They're the only two I saw. But I, I just thought that was really good. Wasn't an official break to allow it. Just sporting behavior. Really good sporting behavior. So credit to Crystal Palace for that. Really, really well done. Unfortunately for them, the result went went against them. But Ian Acho is just, he is in sensational form right now. Absolutely sensational. In his last seven Premier League games, he has nine goals. In his last nine games, he has 12 goals. He didn't score in the Premier League until the 3rd of February. After scoring in that, he didn't score in the next three games. Two of them he didn't even come come off the bench. Since then, he has just been absolutely on fire. He has given Brendan Rodgers no choice but to start him. He is going to run Jamie Vardy very close for Leicester's Premier League top scorer for the season. He's already ahead of Vardy in terms of goals in all competitions. But right now, Vardy has 13 in the Premier League. Inacho has 10. Inacho has 17 in all competitions to Vardy's 15. They've also got Harvey Barnes on 13 in all competitions. And Madison on 11. And when you think of Vardy, Barnes and Madison all missed games. And Barnes is still out. That's four potent goal scorers they have. Yuri Thielemans has eight in all competitions. He could well get to 10. If you can have five guys in double figures, that is that is absolutely excellent. And the fact that the two strikers, number one, can both score independently. Number two, link really well. We saw a lovely move last night where Vardy played it to Iheanacho. Lovely turn and return pass from Iheanacho. Put Vardy through. Went a little bit wide and he couldn't get the angle. But it was a lovely little bit of interplay. We've seen that from them a couple of times with Vardy setting up Iheanacho. And I think the fact that they can play as a one, either of them, or as a pair... That benefits Brendan Rodgers. It gives him great tactical flexibility. means he can shift the shape to whatever he wants on a game-to-game basis. This will be the first season 
since 1314, I think, maybe 1415, that Vardy wouldn't be Leicester's top scorer uh, in, a pre- in a Premier League season. Now, he arrived in their championship season. David Nugent was the top scorer. I think their first season in the Premier League, uh, Leon- Leonardo Ochoa was the top scorer. Since then, it's been Vardy every year. And the only one that ever really got close to him was Riyad Mahrez. But this season, Iheanacho is running him right the way through and will we'll probably end up as the top scorer. It's also worth pointing out he's played less games than Vardy this season. Vardy has played 36 in all competitions. Iheanacho's only played 33. He's got 33 goals in all competitions this season to go with six assists. Only one assist in the Premier League, but 10 goals and one assist in 20 games. Now, that 20 games is a bit, you know, it's a bit misleading. He's only played 1,066 minutes. So he's averaging a goal every 100 minutes, almost a goal a game. In the Europa League, he had three goals and four assists in 415 minutes. That's excellent. And in the FA Cup, four goals and an assist in 230 minutes. So again, excellent. He has just been on fire for for the last, what, certainly for the last three months, um, starting in February between the the league, the FA Cup, and, um, sorry, the league and the FA Cup. He did score his Europa League goals earlier in the season, but he wasn't getting many minutes back then. He was a squad player. He was in and he was out. He was playing against the poor teams when Vardy needed to rest or when Vardy was out injured. But he has just been brilliant the last couple of months. And Leicester are still looking for a striker. It's believed that Odson Edouard is is Leicester bound. He will be replacing Vardy, not immediately. And it will mean that Rodgers has three strikers that he can then rely on. So he can always go with a front two because Edouard, like the other two, can play up front in his own or can play as part of a two. He can be the goal scorer or the link player. So he'll fit really nicely into that group. And Edouard and Iheanacho as the long-term pairing, that's really exciting for Leicester fans because Iheanacho is only 24. He'll be 25 in October. He is finally showing the form that prompted Leicester to pay nearly £25 million for him back in 2017. That first season at City, he scored 14 goals in 35 games. Looked super impressive. Him and Rashford sort of broke onto the scene around the same time. And there was a lot of talk of which one was the bigger prospect. The second season, he got 7-29. and 29. Wasn't as good, but, you know, it was like second season blues. It happens. Goes to Leicester, and for the first two seasons, it really doesn't work. Now, he had 8-28 and 28 in his first season there, but only three Premier League goals and 21 appearances. The second season was a disaster, two in, in 35. And that, that was the season where Claude Puel managed for, you know, two-thirds of the season, and then Rodgers took over. Uh, only one Premier League goal and 30 appearances. Last season, he did manage 10-26 and 26 across all comps, but only five in the league. This season, he's gotten his best Premier League return with 10 in 20 games. And like I said, only, only 1,066 minutes. But 17 and 33 is also a career best. 
And he is only 24. So he's not at his peak. He's not in his prime. He's still got more to go. He will still continue to get better. And Leicester fans should be thrilled by that. And Nigeria fans should be thrilled by that. Because for Nigeria, I mean, they've now got another excellent attacking option. They have a Simeon who's at uh, Napoli. He's super talented. They have Chukwesi, who's at Villarreal. Again, super talented. Henry Onyekoro is a very talented young player. They also have the p- potential to get Eberichiesi, who's got Nigerian parents, and could well end up declaring for Nigeria because his path with England, there's, there's just a lot of attacking midfielders when you look at the likes of Grealish, Madison, Mount, Barnes, Smith Rowe. It may be in his best interest to consider going to play for um, for Nigeria. So that should be really exciting for them as well. But I really hope Leicester managed to keep this group together. I, I think that the talent in the squad is, is just excellent. And when they get Barnes back, they'll be, they'll be a scary prospect for a lot of teams to face. If they add Edouard, then he's 23, won't turn 24 till next January. Young, super talented, versatile, can be whatever you want him to be up front. His goal-scoring record with Celtic is ridiculous. Um, they, will be, they will be very formidable next season. The only things they really need to consider are, are an out-and-out left-back, and I do wonder if maybe Jamal Lewis might be available from Newcastle because he doesn't seem to be a favourite of Bruce. Lewis is very close friends with James Justin. They were in the Luton Academy together years back. So he'd at least have someone there that he knows. I think he'd be a lot more comfortable at Leicester under Rodgers, the way Rodgers plays. It would also give them some security if the likes of Ricardo Pereira or or Castagny were to leave because they'll have Justin, Lewis, and whichever of the other two stays, plus young Luke Thomas, who's very, very talented. Um, And a long-term successor for, for Schmeichel. And then that's kind of it. They've got Really good depth in midfield. When you consider a starting trio of, say, Madison, Thielemans, and Ndidi, and then Preat, Mendy, and Chowdhury, that's that's as good as you'll want. Four starter quality players and two good backups. Then you've got Barnes, Vardy, Eduard, say, when he, if he arrives, Ian Acho, you can throw Mark Albrighton into that mix as well. Maybe you want to bring in one more. And then in defense, the you know, centre-back, they're, they're sorted. They've got Fafana, Evans, Soyuncu, and Benkovic, who's out, out on loan. But that's, that's a strong centre-back unit. Now, if, it may be that Brendan's not keen on Benkovic because he's loaned him out in consecutive seasons. He did bring him to Celtic, though. So I'm not sure whether he just thinks it's more important that he gets minutes and plays regularly than uh, having him at the club this season because they, you know, they've you they made things work. They can slot in Didi in there. Wes Morgan's played some games. But a left-back, maybe a, another wide attacker, who you know, a squad player that they can develop, and a long-term successor to... To Schmeichel, 
that's really all they'd need if they kept everybody and added Edward. And that's a title-calibre team. That's not just a could-challenge-for-top-four team. That's a team that can challenge for the title. They're such a well-run club. They really are the model club in England right now. Because they've worked on a very tight budget over the years. The owners are great. They've put in money at the right times. But they've never overspent. They've never... When they won the league, they got a little bit excited and they spent money on bad players. But they realized the error of their ways. And since then, I mean, look, when you can sell a defender for 80 million and have a better defender sitting on the bench ready to take over, you know you're doing quite well with things. Um, Leicester obviously stay third in the league. They've opened up a gap now. They're four points clear of Chelsea, seven clear of West Ham, eight clear of, of Liverpool. I said before, they've got a tough run in, but they're, they're on the verge of making it unimportant what their running is. They've got Southampton next. That's a game they'll expect to win. Then they've got Newcastle at home. Again, that's a game they'll expect to win. Their next two league games, just in case anyone's wanting to watch them, are both on Fridays. Then they have Manchester United away, Chelsea away. They've got Chelsea in the FA Cup final at some point. And then they've got Tottenham at home on the final day. If they win their next two games, they should be sorted for Champions League. Because the way Liverpool keep falling over themselves, West Ham have hit a dip in form at the wrong time. Chelsea are a little bit inconsistent. Leicester should be secure. Win the next two games, you should be fine. Um, For Palace, I mean... 13th is about where Hodge wants to be. I don't think the points total will be what he wants. He likes that 43 to 45 point kind of range. Now, they do have six six games left, and between five and seven points that Hodge will want. They have Manchester United up next. Sorry, Manchester City up next. Um, That's a home game. You wouldn't expect them to get much there. But then they get... Sheffield United away. I think they'll go there and be confident that they can get a result. Um, They've got Villa at home. Again, I think they'll be confident they'll get something there. Arsenal at home. Again, that's three games in a row where I think they can get between between five and seven points. I think they can win, win one and draw two or win two and draw one of those three games. Then they get Liverpool. They have a game to be rearranged as well. But... I mean, they're going to be fine. They're they're practically safe. What are they? 11 points clear of Fulham. Fulham aren't going to make up 11 points in five games. There's, there's not a hope. Um, so Palace will be fine. They'll be in the Premier League next season. So now the thing for them is, what do they do? What do they do with this team, with this manager? They have a lot of players out of contract this summer. There's talent in the group. There's no question there's talent in the group. They're a better team. I think, than what Hodgson has allowed them to be this season. But they do need surgery this summer. When you look at the goalkeeping situation, Gaeth is good. He's not great, but he is good. Uh, But he is also 34 years of age. They've got Wayne Hennessy. He's okay. He's at a contract this summer. But again, he's 34, 35. Now, he'd be fine as a third goalkeeper. They've got Jack Butland. He's only played once for them. They brought him in, a bit of a gamble in January. 
if they could get the real Jack Butland, if they could find the Jack Butland that existed, say, four years ago, maybe five years ago, that'd be great. But whether that player exists anymore, we don't know. Haven't seen it anyway. But I think they'll be fine to go with that goalkeeper group for another season. Defensively, Van Aanholt's out of contract. You want to keep him. Tyreek Mitchell's out of contract. You definitely want to keep him. That's left-back sorted. I think you want to keep Nathaniel Klein. They've got Nathan Ferguson. I think that can be right-back sorted. In the middle, I mean, Tompkins is past his best and injury-prone. Dan is past his best and injury-prone. Sackle's their best defender, but he's always injured. I mean, he's only played six games this season, three and three starts in the Premier League. Gary Cahill is, I mean, he must be 37 now, isn't he? 35. He'll be 36 in December. You probably keep him for his experience anyway. Coyote, uh, Czech Coyote has played the most games there this season. He's naturally a midfielder, but he has adapted well to playing centre-back. I think you definitely want to bring in at least one starter and then one young player. I've said before, Matty Pollock from Grimsby would be the perfect Crystal Palace centre-back. Just fits how they play. So find yourself a starter. Find someone in, in uh, for depth. Maybe get rid of one of Tompkins or Dan. Tompkins is the better player. Dan is, is less injury-prone. Keep Cahill, keep Sacco. Keep Koyate. I think you're fine. Then Martin Kelly, I think it's time to cut bait with him. One appearance all season. Always injured. Such a shame. I think Joel Ward is one of the ones you could let go. In midfield, Milojojevic is a good player. You definitely want to keep him. I'd let Andros Townsend go. I'd keep Jeff Schlupp. MacArthur, I would keep. McCarthy, I would let go. Every Chiesi is one you want to build around. He's got to be the focal point. Uh, Nia Kirby barely played this season. Good, Good young player, but don't know if he has a future at the club. Championship might be a better place for him right now. And uh, Yara Riedeveld, I think he's come on in leaps and bounds this season. Um, and I think he can be a you know a, a, play, a player for you down the line. It, he's, he's what is he twenty four now? So you really want to be getting him in the team regularly. Um, he's got fourteen starts in the Premier League this season, so he has made, um, like I say, made a lot of progression. He is a, a centre back who's been converted into midfield. I think when him and Milojojevic play together, they, they do look quite good. They do form a really good double pivot defensively. They don't offer a whole lot on the ball. The Riedeveld has started to show more in terms of his his breaking beyond the lines without the ball. Um, you definitely want to bring in at least one central midfielder and one wide player. Play Ezzy off the left, bring in someone to play off the right. Michael Alise from Reading would be perfect. He'd be absolutely perfect. Um, get someone in the centre midfield who can put their foot in the ball and pass it around. That would be a good midfield group then. Uh, you've got Schlupp for depth. You want to bring in one more wide player for a bit of depth. But you keep AU. AU can play wide. Zaha is the big question mark. Uh, Matetti, I, I wouldn't keep him. I, I just I haven't liked what I've seen from him in the Premier League this season. This season, since he arrived in January, Benteke, I think you wave goodbye to him. And Michi Batshuayi, unfortunately, Hodgson hasn't trusted him. I think a different manager gets better results out of him. He's still, what is he, 27? Yeah. 27, he'd be 28 this year. 
if you can get him cheap, I think he'd be worth keeping. Then you add one more striker. You play Zaha plus one with Batshuayi in rotation, AU in rotation. AU can also be uh, depth in wide areas. I don't think Palace need massive amounts this summer, but there is definitely positions of need. They need three starters at least. Sorry, four starters and a couple of squad players. And um, that's probably outside the budget, though. It just depends on what manager comes in. Like Michael Lidisi, I think he's got an 8 million buyout. That would be brilliant business. Get him in, him and Ezzy, either side, playmaking, ability, potential. You'll sell them in the future for massive, massive profit. Like, um, But yeah, I mean, Palace don't have a whole bunch to do. They have a lot more to do than Leicester, but it's not massive. It's not like they need to buy an entirely new starting eleven. Um, we'll move on. Julian Nagelsmann is set to become the new manager of Bayern Munich. Uh, Leipzig have announced that he has agreed to go, and Bayern have agreed to pay their fee. And it's believed that their fee is about twenty-five million pounds. Twenty-five million pounds for a manager you would need to be certain he was the right guy. You would really need to be certain he's the right guy. He's only 33 years of age, which is incredible. Um, and he's already got, you know, quite a bit of experience, 226 games under his belt. Did very well at Hoffenheim. Uh, took them into the Champions League, or at least into the into the knockout, kind of, or the, the qualifi- qualifiers against Liverpool. Um He's done well at Leipzig, but I did think he would do better. I, I thought he, we'd see a real a real title challenge. And we haven't quite seen that. They've done it for like three quarters of a season and then fallen short. I think he gets a little bit too clever at times and tries to be a little bit too outside the box. But he's he's clearly a very, very talented coach. He'll have a lot of runway at Bayern. They're not paying that type of money to give up on him quickly. So they will allow him some errors. But he's already got a massive safety net in the fact that the squad is by far the best in the Bundesliga. They're adding Upa Meccano to it. They'll probably add a couple more. At at that age, he'll be, he'll be 34 in the summer when he takes over. They're obviously investing in him for the long term. Now, how long he'll stay, I don't know. Because managers at Bayern don't tend to stay, you know, incredible lengths of time. They tend to burn out. And it, it may just be that he stays, you know, four years, five years, and then moves on. At which point he won't even be 40. Just ridiculous. The longest serving manager in the history of Bayern Munich lasted less than nine years. Uh, sorry, yeah, no, less than nine years. That was across two spells. He had less than five years in his first spell. Uh, Udo Latik. <laughs> less than five years in his first spell. So the managers don't tend to stay all that long. It is one of those high-pressure jobs. 
is it is one of those jobs where the expectation is always there. There are no games off at Bayern Munich. You are expected to win every single game. And if you don't, that's seen as a failure. Like Pep Guardiola did incredible work there. And yet some people think we didn't didn't do what was asked. Their last group of managers, if we go back, say Otmar Hitzfeld is the longest serving manager in one spell in the history of Bayern Munich. Six seasons. And that's that's the longest serving manager they've had. Well, since 1963. Six seasons. If Nagelsmann stays six seasons, he'll suddenly be 40. He'll suddenly be starting out in his career. But you look at the guys that have been there, Hansi Flick, less than two seasons. Nico Kovac, just over a season. Jupp Heynckes was there for a couple of months. Carlo lasted one, one and a bit seasons. Pep was three seasons. Heynckes the time before, two seasons. Van Hal two seasons. Hitzfeld's second time around, year and a bit. Magat was there two and a half years. Like, it's just not a place that managers stay long term. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Um, England women's most capped player of all time, Farrah Williams, will retire at the end of the season. She's had a career spanning more than two decades. And has been capped 172 times for England. That is, that is an outstanding record. Fair play. Uh, congrats on the career and, and best of luck in retirement. Manchester United have agreed a new three-year deal with Eric Bailly. Now, I don't know how I'd feel about this if I was a United fan. Because he's obviously very, very talented. When he plays, he does look like one of the better centre-backs in the league. And he is just turned 27, but he's always injured. In his first season at United, he played 38 games. Since then, he hasn't played more than 18 games in any season. In his entire career, he's only played more than 20 twice. That's a concern. That is a concern. 18, 18, 11, 15 this season. He just, he's injured too often. But at the same time, United paid 30 million to get him. Right now, his value wouldn't be close to that because of the injuries. So it probably does make sense to keep him rather than move him on. I think he's at a contract next summer. They have... They signed a four-year deal with two options, so this would be option year one. Next season would be option year two. So, yeah, he would have been out of contract next summer. So, I mean, realistically, what would you get? $15 million for him if you got lucky? So it probably does make sense uh, to to hold on to him and um, and hope that he can overcome the injuries. Hope that he can just find fitness. Hopefully they can find a regime that, that works for him. Uh, super talented, but like I say, just can't stay fit. Emi Buendia 
Timo Pukki and Ivan Tony have all been shortlisted for the championship player of the season. Um, Buendia led the league with 15 assists. Pukki scored 25 goals. Tony was the top scorer in the championship with 29 goals. Now, obviously, Norwich won the league, so that was that's massive. That that should help in the case of um, of Pukki and Buendia. But do they split the vote from each other? Because there's two of them. You also have to factor in that Ivan Tony, as well as scoring uh, 29 goals, also had 10 assists. So he does everything. Um, Buendia actually has 16 assists. That's my mistake. He has 14 goals. Pookie doesn't do a whole lot other than score. Adam Armstrong's had a great season there as well. 24 goals for uh, for Blackburn. Kiefer Moore, 20 goals for Cardiff. Harvey Elliott and Harry Wilson, two Liverpool loanees, both with 11 assists this season. Uh, hopefully, Harry Wilson is, is is sold on this summer and you know finds a club where he can settle. Hopefully, Cardiff, he, he seems to be very happy there. He's obviously done done good work there. So hopefully he gets moved on and can just settle at a club and develop into the player he's going to be. Uh, Elliot, is a, is, yeah, everybody knows he's a, a big, big talent. Um, yeah, I, I, like I say, I haven't been following the, the championship as closely this season because my focus has been on the Premier League, but it, it seems to have been quite an exciting season and there's still some excitement to go. You look at the top of the league is finished. The top two are coming up, Norwich and Watford. Norwich need one more win to secure the title. Um, actually, one more point will, will pretty much do it. The championship uh, playoff places are, are sorted. Brentford, Bournemouth, Swansea and Barnsley. It's just a matter of in what order. But down at the bottom, there's still a little bit of work to be done. Uh, you've got Wickham bottom, 37 points. They look like they're done for all intents and purposes there. Six points clear, or six points off safety, but they've got a negative 13 goal differential based against the team in 21st, who's Derby. Derby are four points clear of Rotherham. Derby have two games left. Rotherham have four games left. Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, they're going down because they had points deducted. They're on 39 points. They should be on 45 based on their results this season so I mean that's very harsh on the players but at the end of the day it was originally a 12 point deduction they got half so they were given a little bit of of leeway anyway Um, it looks like it'll be Derby or Rotherham to stay up Huddersfield are safe pretty much Coventry are definitely safe. Sheffield Wednesday, they'd need to win both games, hope that Derby and Rotherham lose their games. They haven't. I mean, they've won more games than Derby this season, so that's something. Um, Yeah. One from three will stay up. You'd like it to be Derby, because their fans have been through an awful lot over the last kind of 12 months with all the ownership nonsense going on, and all their best young players sort of been sold out the side door. Be harsh on the city of Sheffield to have both clubs relegated in one season, though. Um, 
moving further on. Following Balogun has agreed a four-year contract extension at Arsenal. I think that's great news. I think he's a super talented young player. As I said yesterday, they need to be keeping the likes of him and Ketty and those and building around them uh, for the future. No more mucking about with letting young players walk out the door. Um, before we go to break, there's two little bits I want to touch on. The Premier League have announced a Hall of Fame. The first two people in, Alan Shearer, Thierry Henry. No doubt that both of them belong in the Hall of Fame. No real argument against either of them being the first two in. Henri, I think, is the best player, the, prem- the the greatest player of the Premier League era. I think Suarez is the best player who played in the Premier League in terms of what he did while he was in the league. Now, you can argue for Cristiano Ronaldo, but I don't think he had an individual season as good as Suarez 13-14. You might disagree and feel that he did, and that's fine. It, but it's those two, then Henri, in terms of career greatness. Uh, but for what Henri did in the Premier League, it's him. Shearer is obviously the, the greatest goal scorer the Premier League's ever seen. So with, with the bias towards strikers, it was always going to be strikers. They are the right two strikers. So in they go. They have put together a list of candidates, uh, 23 candidates, of which six will go in, and it's been left to a fan vote. So Tony Adams, Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Andy Cole, Matt Letizia, David Beckham, Robbie Fowler, Robin Van Persie, Ashley Cole, Michael Owen, Dennis Burkamp, Stephen Gerrard, Nemanja Vidic, Didier Drogba, Peter Schmeichel, Saul Campbell, Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira, Les Ferdinand, Paul Scholes, Eric Cantona, Frank Lampard, and Ian Wright. They're the contenders. They will all get in eventually. They're all Hall of Fame worthy players. I think the best way to do it will be to reward those whose careers ended the longest ago. So I would look at that and say, well, Tony Adams absolutely has to be in one of the best defenders the Premier League has ever seen. Uh, I think him and Saul Campbell are easily the two best English defenders of the Premier League era. So Tony Adams would be in for me. I would put in Matt Letizia. Questionable views on things aside. What a player. Eric Cantona. Ian Wright. Andy Cole and Les Ferdinand. I think I think that's right. I think they're the six. Oh, Schmeichel. No, I think Les Ferdinand quit before Schmeichel. Either way, look, they're all going to get in. But if I was basing it on who I would put in, like based on my views of these players, Adams would be definitely one. Keane would be two. Burkamp would be three. Gerard would be four. Cole and Cole and Vieira would round out my six. It's harsh on Campbell. I might leave Burkamp out and put Campbell in. Anyway, they're all going to get in. But you can go to PremierLeague.com forward slash Hall of Fame. Just Google Premier League Hall of Fame. You'll find it. And you can place your votes. Uh, for these players. Six will get in. That will put eight in the first kind of Premier League class. 
it's weird though that they just decided to put two in and then everybody has to vote for the other six. That's a little bit odd to me, but look, it's I think it's about time we did something like this. I think it's good to have a Hall of Fame. I'm not necessarily sure I agree with fans having the vote. So do you think that will render it a little bit biased? Like you'll get tons of Chelsea fans who will just rush on and vote for their four players um, and then maybe leave the rest blank. You'll get Arsenal fans, Liverpool fans, United fans that will do the same. I think it would be better if there was a, a panel, a committee put together. And maybe that's what will happen. Maybe after this initial group go in, that first class could become the panel. So whoever the eight that get in on, they can vote in future years on the players that get in. But uh, yeah, the Hall of Fame, it should be fun. Um, finally, before break, it is the Garth Crooks team of the week. Uh, he's gone for Jordan Pickford in goal. Don't really understand that one. Didn't have a lot to do. Couple of good saves against Arsenal, but not a lot to do. Aaron Ramsdale would have been a better choice. Um, everybody knows I'm not a fan of Ramsdale, but he did have a very good game against Brighton. Um, he's gone with Aspilicueta, Tarkovsky, Laporte, and Chilwell. So he's picked two two players from a team that did very little defending at the weekend as defenders. Now, his logic for Chilwell is that he was getting forward and, and helping attack. That's fine. Laporte scored the winner in the cup final. Again, don't have a problem. Tarkovsky didn't have a whole lot to do. Wolves didn't really attack at all in the Burnley-Wolves game. So I'm not sure on him. And I wouldn't have Aspilicueta in. I, I just wouldn't. I, I don't think he's deserving of a place in the in the group. Um, it might sound biased, but I think Ozan Kabak should be in that group. I think I thought he was excellent at the weekend, uh, but we'll leave him out. Um, if you're looking for defenders that played well this past weekend, I thought Struyek and Diego Loriente for Leeds were both brilliant. I thought both of them were absolutely outstanding. And Crooks doesn't normally care about formations earning or, or where players actually play. So I would actually stick both of them in over um, Tarkovsky and, and Aspilicueta. Lorente can play right back anyway, so I'm happy with that. So I would go Lorente, Struyek, Laporte, Chilwell. Uh, Phillips, absolutely, he was brilliant. I thought Kante was excellent. He's gone with Salah, Ianacho, Werner, and Woods. He's basically just picked the players that scored. No problem with Ianacho, no problem with Wood. Salah scored, but missed a bunch of chances. Werner scored, missed a bunch of chances, and wasn't great. Like, he was decent, but he wasn't great. There's not many who were, though. You know what? We leave the front four alone. The front four is fine. The, the changes would be goalkeeper and the two defenders. Um, the midfield he nailed, I thought Phillips was brilliant. He was just brilliant against United. And and Kante was excellent against West Ham. So that's fine. O only the, the three wrong this week, Gark. We'll let you out the rest. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back with the uh, Champions League preview. Right, welcome back. 
Um, we have tonight Champions League football. We're at the semi-final stage. And obviously we have a lot of English interest in the competition. A lot of Premier League teams still involved in Europe. Um, four, two in each competition on opposite sides of the bracket in, in both tournaments. So we could well get all English finals, which, of course, we did get in 2019. Um Tonight, it's Real Madrid and Chelsea. So, Chelsea are fourth in the Premier League. They would be higher if it hadn't been for a bad run between mid-December and mid-January that cost Frank Lampard his job. Uh, Five defeats in an eight-game run was just unacceptable. So, he was moved on. Chelsea got through their group very, very easy. It was an easy enough group. Ren, first time in the Champions League, a little bit out of their depth. Young team, inexperienced. Chelsea were expected to put them to the sword, and they did. Uh, Krosnodar, fairly average team. Fairly average team. So, no surprise there. And then Sevilla. Now, they drew with Sevilla in the first game. They beat them 4-0 away in the fifth game of the group. But at that point, they were both qualified. So, it didn't really matter. Um, Sevilla didn't really it didn't really bother them at all they walked off the field smiling um, but Chelsea topped that group and, and credit to them then Lampard was removed they'd drawn Atletico Madrid everybody said Simeone will wipe the floor with Lampard Tuchel took over, very different story Chelsea win both games, 1-0 away 2-0 at home, very very impressive in both games they go to Porto in the quarterfinal they win 2-0, in the home leg they're just defending seeing the game out, managing things. They concede one late on, great goal, but in the end, a meaningless goal, um, and they go through 2-1. So that puts them into the semi-final. First leg we played in Madrid, second leg at the bridge next week. I think they'll go into this game confident. They're, they've only lost twice under Tuchel. And while they have struggled for goals, they have been really good defensively. 21 games, 14 wins, 5 draws, 2 defeats. One of those defeats was that game against Porto where it didn't really matter. As long as they lost by one goal, it, it didn't matter. They were going through. The other one was that freak game against Sheffield, uh, sorry, against West Brom where they had a player sent off and kind of capitulated. They've only conceded 9 goals in 21 games and 5 of them came in that one freak game. So defensively, they've been great. Struggling to score goals, 27 in 21. With the talent they have, that's not nearly enough. They will get it sorted, though. There's enough talent there. There's quality, there's options. I think Tuchel's structure will uh, enable these players. One of the things he's always been great at is getting the most out of attacking players. Saw the likes of Usman Dembele, Mkhitaryan, Kagawa, Royce. Uh, Pulisic all thrive under him. Aubameyang thrived under him at Dortmund. We've seen what he did at, at PSG with Mbappe and Neymar, Icardi, Moise Keane in the first half of the season. Just a great manager who who gets the best out of attacking players. For now, he's sorting out the defence. Chelsea's defence had been an issue under Lampard. He sorted that. I think he'll get round to sorting the attack out in time. He's going to need to score some goals in this game, though, because Real Madrid, they're very potent. They're very, very potent. 
they got through a more difficult group. They had Borussia Mönchengladbach, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Inter Milan. Inter are going to run away with this, with Serie A. Gladbach have had a poor season, that's fair. But Shakhtar are still Shakhtar, and they're always a pain to play against. Real lost the first game uh, at home to Donetsk. Now, they've been playing all season, obviously, at um, the Alfredo de Stefano Stadium rather than the Bernabeu because it's undergoing a massive renovation. And they wonder why they're in debt. They're renovating the stadium to the tune of about 500 million in the midst of a pandemic. Genius. Um, they went to Gladbach and drew 2-2. At that point, they looked like they could be dead and buried. But they beat into Milan twice. Then they lost in the Nets. They needed to win their last game to be secure. They did. They beat Gladbach at home 2-0. They ended up topping the group. Gladbach came second, Shakhtar third, Inter bottom. On they go, round of 16. They beat Atalanta 1-0 in Bergamo. They beat them 3-1 in Madrid. Fairly comfortable. Nothing to really write home about. Nothing to get overly excited about. Um, They beat Liverpool very comfortably in Madrid. Liverpool had chances in the second leg, but the damage was done. The damage was done when Klopp picked the team he did in Madrid. Simple as that. Um... I think they come into this game, in their minds anyway, as favourites. They're on a great run in the league. They haven't lost since January. They did get knocked out of both cups, but they won't care. They won't care. They haven't lost in the league since January. They got through the Champions League very, very comfortably. They are currently second in La Liga behind Atletico Madrid, two points behind them. They are level on points with Barca, but Barca do have a game in hand. As I said yesterday, Atletico bottling this title that should have been theirs is is absolutely killing me, but it is what it is. They've got issues going forward at times, but they have the players that turn up on big occasions, like Karim Benzema. He's got 27 goals in all competitions this season. Now The issue is Asensio's only got six Vinicius Jr.'s only got six, but Vinicius did score against Liverpool and caused Liverpool a lot of problems. They've got injury problems. Everybody's aware of those. Remains to be seen who's fit and who's not for the weekend. At the weekend, or sorry, for, for tonight's game. At the weekend, they lined up against Betis for the one for the nil-nil draw with Courtois on goal, Carvial at right back, so he's back fit. Nacho at left back, that's not ideal, but I'd imagine that was maybe just for resting other players. Militao and Varane at centre-back, that's really good. I think that should be their pairing for next season and beyond. Um, Modric, Casemiro and Isco playing. You don't really want Isco in your team at any point, but Cruz will come back in, so that's fine. Then they had Rodrigo, Benzema, and Asensio. I'd imagine it'll be Asensio, Benzema, and Vinicius. I don't think Eden Hazard will be fit to start. He did come on at the weekend. I don't think he'll be fit to start tonight. Maybe next week. We'll have to wait and see. A lot will depend on what team Real have fit. That's going to be key to it. 
Chelsea are pretty much at full strength. Uh, the only player they currently have injured is Kovacic. He's not expected back in time for tonight, but she'll be back for next week. Everybody else is currently fit. Whereas Real have had issues all season. Not, I, I don't think they've played a game with their best 11 this season. I think I read that somewhere. But um, this should be a really good game. I'm, I'm very actually very excited for this game. Because it's two good managers. And, and there's, a, there's a real argument that Zidane is a great manager. A real argument that he's a great manager. He's won three Champions Leagues in a row, obviously. Um, he won the league title last season when, in truth, Real were a bit of a mess. He still managed them to the league title. He won the league title in 16-17. He's won a couple of Super Cups. He's won European Super Cups. He's won World Club Cups. His managerial record is exceptional. You know, three Champions Leagues and two league titles. And he took time off as well. Like, he won the three Champions Leagues and then left. And then they appointed um, Lupetegui, who's uh, Sevilla. I've butchered his name for sure. Um, he got sacked after a few months. They bring Zidane back and he just, you know, carries on regardless. There's always pressure on him and there's always rumours that he's leaving, but he seems he seems very comfortable. He seems to be enjoying life. Um but I, yeah, I think there's a real argument that he he could well be a great manager. I don't know that you can do what he's done and not be considered a great manager. Tuchel's a very very good manager, and I think what he's done at Chelsea has been really impressive. So it should be a good tactical battle. There's a lot of good players that will be playing. I'll be interested to see if Tuchel plays. Thiago Silva, I think Benzema will will have a lot of success tonight. Real 3-1. 2-1. I'll go 2-1. Real to win tonight, 2-1. I also think Real will progress. I see a draw in the second leg. I'll go 2-1 Real tonight. That'll most likely be wrong. So congratulations, Chelsea. You'll win 4-0. Um, but yeah, it should be a fun game. I'm looking forward to it. And um, we've got City PSG tomorrow night. Europa League on Thursday. And then we're back into Premier League action. So there's not a whole lot of, of downtime at the moment. There's, there's plenty of good football um, coming up over the next few days. We'll finish up with the gossip and get you out of here today. Paris Saint-Germain have moved ahead of Manchester United over a potential deal to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I mean, United fans won't be happy with that, but it's probably better for them. He is 36. He's on about 60 million a year. Uh, All things considered, it would not be wise of United to um, to bring him back in. Manchester United are monitoring Slavia Prague's Senegalese forward Abdallah Sima. He was really impressive in some of the early Europa League games. I haven't really seen him outside of that, but yeah, he, he looked he looked like a good, versatile player. Could make sense. Um, Eric Ten Hag will move up Tottenham's wish list to fill their managerial vacancy with Bayern set to appoint uh, Julian Nagelsmann. 
makes sense. I want to do more on that tomorrow. I think he'd make he'd be I think he'd be a great appointment to be honest. Um Italian goalkeeper Gigi Donnarumma will remain at AC Milan despite his contract expiring this summer and interest from Manchester United and Chelsea. AC Milan have agreed a deal apparently from Mike Mannion, the goalkeeper from Lille, which tells me that they think Donnarumma is leaving. Juventus allegedly very, very keen on him, very much foot in the door. Good relationship with his agent, Mino Raiola. Uh, Mino will want to put some of his best players together. There's been talk that um, Gravenberch could go to Juve- uh, Juventus this summer. He's already got Delict there. So just keep an eye on that. that that's from Talk Sports, so I wouldn't really believe it. Um, that he is staying at AC Milan. I think if he was staying at AC Milan, he probably would have signed a contract by now. Real Madrid will not make a great effort to keep Rafael Varane. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that for a second. Varane says his future is clear and he is focused on the end of the season with Real Madrid as they challenge to win the Champions League and La Liga. I think they'd be insane to let him go. Absolutely insane. He has carried Sergio Ramos for years now. And people are still fooled into thinking that Ramos is some sort of great centre-back. Swiss midfielder Jordan Shakiri wants to leave Liverpool this summer in search of more game time. Can't blame him. Can't blame him at all. Uh, Leicester City are interested in PSV's 19-year-old winger Noni Muriaki, But face competition from AC Milan... RB Leipzig and Lille. He's very talented and he would make a lot of sense for Leicester. <clears throat> I mentioned earlier, getting in somebody who can play in that at- those attacking areas, young player that you can develop, I think he'd be perfect. He was at Tottenham's academy, went to PSV, he's done brilliantly there this season. Can play off the right, can play through the middle. Super, super talented. Everton are working on extending Colombian midfielder James Rodriguez's contract with the club. That's a little bit of a strange one. He signed them last summer. What kind of deal did he sign? Was it two-year or was it three-year? Okay, so he did only sign a two-year contract. So, in fairness, it does make sense. Uh, Everton are leading the race to sign Mets midfielder Pape Matar Sar with Aston Villa, Chelsea, Manchester United and Newcastle also interested in the Senegal International. Very, very talented player. Has done really well for Mets. And Mets are a fairly average team, but he, he's a very, very talented player. Who, I can't, yeah, I'd be surprised if there's not more clubs into him. I really would. I'd be surprised if a lot of the bigger French clubs aren't eyeing up as well. The likes of Monaco, Lille, Lyon, maybe even PSG, though I wouldn't go there if I was him. But if I think if I was him, I would probably consider... Lille, because they're likely to lose Renato Sanchez and maybe Bubakari Samare. So they'll be looking for a quality midfielder who can step in. I I think he'd make a lot of sense for them. Arsenal have opened talks for Neil Smith-Rowe. We went through that yesterday. Uh, The Gunners are willing to sell four players this summer to fund signings. Unfortunately, they're the wrong four players. Like, the four players they should be selling are Leno, Bellerin, Xhaka and Lacazette. 
sell them and fund some signings. Instead, what they will do is they'll keep those four and they'll sell Gwendozi, they'll sell Torreira, they'll sell Maitland-Niles and they'll sell Eddie Nketiah. Brainless. Absolutely brainless. Manchester United and Chelsea are monitoring Brighton's Irish midfielder Andrew Moran. Now, it depends on where he was born. Is he Moran or is he Moran? I, I don't know much about him, being honest. He is from Bray, so he is Moran. If you're, if you're properly Irish, you're Moran. If you're British, you're Moran. It just seems to be how it works. Um, Barcelona are confident Eric Garcia will join the club when his contract expires. Of course they're confident. They've been tapping him up for two years. How would they not be confident? They've had his name on a piece of paper for ages. Roma have chosen former Chelsea and Juventus manager Maurizio Sarri to become their new coach this summer. Uh, makes sense. Like, if Tottenham aren't looking at Ten Hag, he would make sense as well for them. He's a very good coach. He's, you know, he's just been very unfortunate. He's been treated badly by Chelsea and, and Juventus, but the work he did at Napoli speaks for itself. Uh, Leeds are set to open talks with Stuart Dallas over a new contract. Again, makes sense. Versatile, hardworking, can play anywhere. Fits what Bielsa wants. Knows the system. Smart player. Good presence in the dressing room. Makes a lot of sense. And finally, newly promoted Norwich City are interested in German attacking midfielder Robert Andridge of Union Berlin. Don't know a whole bunch about him. Doesn't seem to score a lot of goals from attacking midfield. That would be a concern for me. Uh, 26 years of age. The last time Norwich came up, they did badly in the transfer market. And you really would hope that they won't do the same nonsense again. So last time they came up, they bought brought in Joseph Dermich on a free. He did he was awful. Um Aiden Fitzpatrick currently on loan at Queen of the Sky Queen of the South in the Scottish Championship. Rocky Bashiri, uh currently on loan with Upen. Charlie Gilmore gone already to St. Johnston. Sam Byram, he's still there. He's a he's a decent backup right back. Uh Reese McAleer, he, he's you know, he's alright, he's decent. In the January, they brought in Lucas Rupp, uh, Melvin City, and Sam McCallum. He went back on loan to Coventry and then they brought him in. They brought in Patrick Roberts, it didn't work at all. Uh Ralph Farman didn't work at all. Ibrahim Amadou didn't work at all. And Andrej Duda didn't work at all. So, all things considered, pretty much all of their business that summer was a bit of a failure. Now, Rupp at least has played quite a bit this season for them and done all right. Um, City has never played for them by the looks of them. He's only he's only kidding, twenty one, and um, yeah, McCallum. Still unknown at Coventry. Only young left back, though, so will develop in time. But they need to do better this time. They need to do more in the transfer market because otherwise they'll just go straight back down. 
and then what's the point of it all? We'll leave it there. That's enough for today. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for, uh, thank you to, I should say, Guy Drinkle, as always. And thank you to Fox Hunt for our title music. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.